Good afternoon. My name is David, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Fastly fourth quarter 2020 earnings conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Thank you. I would now like to turn the conference over to Maria Lukens, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining our fourth quarter and full year 2020 earnings call. We have Fastly CEO Joshua Bixby and CFO Adrian Lars with us today. Before we start, I want to remind everyone about the usual format of our call. We published a shareholder letter on our investor relations website and went to SEC about an hour ago. Since the letter provides a lot of details, we'll make some brief opening remarks and reserve the rest of the time for your questions. During this call, we will be making forward-looking statements, including statements related to the expected performance of our business, future financial results, the integration of signal sciences, strategy, long-term growth, and overall future prospects. These statements are subject to known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected or advised during the call. Please take a look at our filings with the SEC and our Q4 2020 shareholder letter for discussion of the factors that could cause our results to differ. Also note that the forward-looking statements on this call are based on information available to us as of today's date. We disclaim any obligation to update any forward-looking statements except as required by law. Also during this call, we will discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures are provided in the shareholder letter on our investor relations website. These non-GAAP measures are not intended to be a substitute for our GAAP results. Finally, this call is being webcast and will be archived on our website shortly afterwards. With that, I'll turn the call over to Joshua. Thanks, Maria. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. We've had a busy and successful quarter, and it's reflected in our results. We delivered 40% year-over-year top-line growth with a revenue of nearly $83 million. Last year, our world changed and businesses changed with it. We saw many companies invest more heavily in their digital presence than ever before. Subsequently, we've added new customers while our existing customer base grew. These customers include Blackboard, a top-tier learning management system, UC Davis, a higher education institution, an enterprise tech company, and one of the world's largest telecommunication companies, among others. We're also gaining traction in the rapidly growing gaming vertical and one new and additional business with two leading gaming companies. We've also seen our customers go above and beyond to help their communities during these challenging times. Two stories that encourage me are from Gannett and Doximity. Gannett, a leading media and publishing company, launched Support Local, which allows people to support their neighborhood businesses through gift cards, as well as Take Action, which provides resources to those looking to step up when it comes to social and racial justice. We're proud to have supported them in getting these sites up and running in a matter of days. Doximity, a company that helps medical professionals virtually connect to patients, saw double-digit user growth and a 30 times increase in traffic on their secure calling feature within just a few weeks at the onset of the pandemic. They turned to our security offerings, which gave them the control they needed to block malicious traffic, all while providing reliable connectivity to patients at a time when it was needed the most. 
Our other customers delivered breaking news during the crucial election, brought people together through virtual gatherings, helped entertain and educate through gaming and schooling, and enabled a busy holiday shopping season, all online. On a Fastly-only basis, we've continued to demonstrate the stickiness of our platform, resulting in dollar-based net expansion rate of 143%, average enterprise customer spend of $782,000, and a very impressive annualized revenue retention rate of 99%. Like others, we transitioned our cornerstone customer event, Altitude, online for the first time in November. The community around developer empowerment was reflected in the audience, which nearly doubled from previous in-person events. We heard from leading digital brands such as USA Today, Vox, PayPal, Grubhub, Adorama, TED, and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology based in Cambridge. The event made it clear that edge innovation and security enabled their digital transformations and their successes during the challenging year. Adriel will cover our financial performance for both the fourth quarter and full year in more detail. But before he does, I want to take a moment to provide an update on two core pillars of our comprehensive Edge Cloud platform, Compute and Security. As we announced last quarter, Computed Edge is in the market running production traffic in multiple verticals. We've seen some incredibly innovative use cases from developers. I've recently seen an edge-native multiplayer version of the popular video game Doom, a machine learning product used to identify objects in an image at the edge, and a system that automatically simplifies the text on a website for new language learners. One of the most compelling use cases I've seen is a dynamic ad insertion product focused on personalized video ads based on user-specific criteria, all done in real time at the edge. Developers use three key languages to build out these use cases. AssemblyScript, which is a great entry point for JavaScript and TypeScript developers, as well as C and Rust. We continued our investment in technical talent by hiring several key open source and community leaders, including the co-creators of WebAssembly. They will continue working on impactful open source projects such as WasmTime, the Rust language, and the WebAssembly standard itself all of which are key technologies for the future of Computed Edge. On the security front, I am very excited about the progress we have made since we closed our transaction with Signal Sciences last quarter. The cross-sell and upsell of our new security portfolio exceeded our expectations in the quarter, and the pipeline is strong. There is no security without usability, and Signal Sciences' single, intuitive, easy-to-use interface has begun to impress our existing customer base and prospects and was recognized industry-wide by Gardner as a visionary in its annual Magic Quadrant. We continue to see excellent customer reviews on Gardner Peer Insights, a popular peer-driven rating and review platform. We are gaining momentum with these two pillars, and the increased interest and enthusiasm from our customers is very exciting. The demand for Fastly's platform remains strong as more companies are beginning to realize the tremendous potential at the edge. Both our compute and secure offerings will continue to be key areas of focus and investment for us going forward. Before I turn it over to Adriel, I also want to welcome Brett Shirk to Fastly as our new Chief Revenue Officer. He will be starting officially on February 22nd. Brett brings extensive experience in building and scaling revenue organizations at cloud and security companies and has more than 25 years of technology experience, having recently served as CRO at Rubrik. 
Brett is a highly experienced, purpose-driven executive and is acutely aligned with our values and mission. We are happy to have him on board. With that, I'll turn it over to Adriel to go over the financials. Thank you, Joshua, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We rounded out the year with another strong quarter driven by robust customer demand, particularly from both new and existing enterprises that are continuing to integrate FASTA's modern edge platform into their systems. As I go through the numbers, I want to point out, as we noted in the shareholder letter, that the contribution of Signal Sciences following our acquisition has been consolidated into our fourth quarter of financial information, so the revenue and margin numbers I'm about to give include Signal Sciences. However, we have not yet included Signal Sciences in most of our key metrics this quarter and intend to report consolidated metrics later in 2021. In order to see the incremental contribution on customer growth from Signal Sciences, we have provided the total customer counts and number of enterprise customers as of Q4 2020. This quarter, we generated 83 million in revenue, net of a $2 million deferred revenue write-down related to purchase accounting adjustments from Signal Sciences acquisition, representing 40% year-over-year growth. For the full year 2020, we generated $291 million in revenue, up 45% year-over-year. We're continuing to drive leverage in the business. Gap gross margin was 59.2% for the quarter, up from 56.7% in the same quarter a year ago, and 58.7% for the full year, up from 55.9% for 2019. Non-gap gross margin, which excludes stock-based compensation and amortization of acquired intangible assets, was 63.7% for the quarter, compared to 57.6% in the same quarter last year. Full-year non-gap gross margin was 60.9%, compared to 56.6% for 2019. While our gross margin will continue to be impacted by the timing of personnel and infrastructure-related investments, as well as seasonal usage by customers on our platform, we remain confident in our ability to deliver incremental annual gross margin expansion, as we have done in the past, driven by our continued scale in the acquisition of Sigma Sciences. We believe the strong gross margin profile of Signal Sciences provides us with additional opportunities to invest and accelerate our growth trajectory. We believe we have a tremendous opportunity to invest in growth in 2021 and plan to do so in a disciplined manner while keeping long-term profitability in mind. In terms of the balance sheet, we ended the quarter with $216 million in cash, restricted cash, and investments. As I said in our last call, we used approximately $200 million of cash at the beginning of the quarter upon closing of the Signal Sciences acquisition. As we continue to see strong growth and increased demand for our Edge Cloud platform, we aim to capitalize on this opportunity and continue investing in initiatives to drive revenue growth, network utilization, and scale. Our 2021 outlook reflects our continued ability to deliver strong, top-line growth, our ongoing commitment to annual gross margin expansion, our ongoing investments in cloud computing and security, and the expense of our expanded team from the Signal Sciences acquisition. Similar to last year's approach, we based our revenue guidance on the visibility that we have today. And given our usage-based business model, we expect to gain additional visibility as the year progresses. For the first quarter, we expect revenue in the range of 83 to 86 million, non-GAAP operating loss in the range of negative 14 to negative 10 million, non-GAAP net loss per share in the range of negative 13 cents to negative 9 cents. For the full year 2021, we expect revenue in the range of 375 to 385 million, 
non-GAAP operating loss in the range of negative 50 to negative 40 million, and non-GAAP net loss per share in the range of negative 44 cents to negative 35 cents. Before we turn the call over to Q&A, I want to reiterate Joshua's conviction about the future of Fastly. We're extremely excited about the opportunities that lie ahead as we continue to augment our compute and security offerings. We believe we are well positioned for long-term growth and success as we help enterprises innovate through developer empowerment. The quality of our offerings, as well as our team's ability to execute, will continue to move us forward as we work to build a more trustworthy internet for our customers. With that, I'll turn it back to the operator to take your questions. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Jonathan Ho with William Blair. Your line is open. Hi, congratulations on the strong quarter. Um, I just wanted to start out with maybe your guidance on the CapEx side of things uh, and just to, you know, trying to understand, you know, why you have you know, sort of the confidence level to sustain at a higher level, you know, just given some of the headwinds um, that you're facing from a capacity standpoint, um, you know, from that large customer last year, as well as you know, maybe some tougher, uh, tougher uh, COVID comparisons. Oh, sorry, it's Russell. Uh, Jonathan, are you, are you saying uh, why is the number not higher or lower? I just want to make sure I understand the, 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 the crux of the question. Oh, I, I, so in terms of sustaining, um, you know, above the 10%, you know, sort of long-term target, what, what's giving you the confidence to keep that number higher? Oh, I see. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, where that's really coming from is just the makeup of the customers that we have brought on board. Um, you know, from the, the guidance that they're giving us with respect to what they're trying to do, what we're seeing um, in the customers themselves. And, you know, as, you, as, you, as you've heard from me in the past, um, you know, the CapEx as a percentage of revenue that we have today is, is still meaningfully lower than we see in some legacy providers that already exist out there. And in a long-term model, we think we can get to 10% while still growing relatively quickly. So we're, in some respects, you know, keeping in mind what we've seen so far, uh, particularly in Q4, but also some of the signals about customers that are currently telling us today, which is built into our guidance. Got it. And then, you know, just in terms of a follow-up, uh, can you give us a little bit of an update on your large customer and maybe what your expectations at this point are in terms of, you know, either headwind for 2021 or contribution from that customer? Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, it's Joshua here. Appreciate the question. You know, as, as we've talked about uh, throughout this process, they remain an important customer to us. Uh, they continue to rely on us for important workloads, and that hasn't changed. As you know, it, they peaked above 10% for a short period at the start of the pandemic. But we have a number of large customers and a handful uh, who may come in and out of that 10% category as they grow. As you know, when your services are software-based, global, and infinitely scalable uh, on the edge, and you're dealing with customers who are growing at unprecedented rates on a usage-based model, you're going to have variations over time. These customers, as you know, rely on us for performance, security, reliability, and we're really proud to continue to uh, be the solution that they trust. So we have modeled in um, to our guidance uh, the relationship, you know, a strong relationship. We've modeled in exactly what we've heard from that customer, and, uh, and you know, that's modeled into our guidance. So we feel optimistic. Great. Thank you. Thank you. 
Your next question comes from the line of Robert Magic with Raymond James. Your line is open. Great, great, thanks. Just wondering if you can give us any more color on uh, Signal Science's revenue contribution in the quarter uh, and what's baked into your guide for next year. And then on the expansion metrics, understand that you'll give us updated numbers that include Signal Sciences later in the quarter. Uh, but can we just say that Signal Sciences would have added to the net expansion rate? Hey, Drew, you want to go those two? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll sort of take the second part of your question uh, first. It's more likely later in the year. Um, the, 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 the challenge for us in Signal Sciences is a subscription-based um, uh, product, and you know we're still we're working through how we want to continue to offer that, as well as the same time continue to offer um, the usage-based model that our uh, fastest historical customers have been used to. So I think it's going to take us a little bit of time to sort of make sure we are thoughtful about how we report those metrics together, especially as they uh, begin to contribute uh, together um, as we have so far. Uh, related to um, you know, what the, the contribution was for Sigma Sciences in Q4, um, I think you recall when we started the quarter, we had about an $8 million uh, deferred revenue. Um, it was a, a, a that we had that we thought we would uh, recognize over Q4. Uh, we took about a $2 million deferred um, uh, haircut related to our purchase price acquisition uh, related to that. So that should give you some sense of kind of where we ended up. Uh, and as for the year, we're modeling in um, clearly what we've seen from a growth standpoint that we've seen historically, and especially as well as in Q4, and we're trying to build in, um, you know, that into the current guidance today. It's, it's a little bit difficult to kind of ascertain how much that will exactly be uh, from Sigma Sciences, partially because we're, also, we're already beginning to sell in abundant fashion um, with them. Um, so that we're, you know, historically, that's very similar to what we've done before. Great, thanks. And maybe just one more from me. Voice chat rooms like Clubhouse and Twitter Spaces have been getting a lot of attention lately. Uh, it's widely speculated that Agora serves the traffic for Clubhouse. I'm just wondering if this vertical is a potential opportunity for Computed Edge, just given how latency-sensitive this traffic is. Yeah, it's Joshua here. Robert, I think that's a, uh, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing really interesting opportunities in all of these um, you know, latency-sensitive environments. I'd call your attention to what we talked about in the in the opening and what we talked about in the letter around gaming, right? Which, for the high-value games, latency is critical. Uh, one of the reasons that um, we're making really strong inroads in that vertical is because of our performance, the reliability that performs, but also, as you mentioned, what edge compute can bring to the table here. So. Um, I would say, you know, I, I can't speak specifically about any customers, but I would say I think the advent of this um, as a medium is, uh, is, is, is good for our business and good for compute. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Tim Haran with Oppenheimer. Your line is open. Thanks, guys. Can you give us at a high level maybe a sense of how um, bookings and, and just overall customer interest has been maybe in the second half of this year versus versus last year, just given the, uh, the COVID impacts. And uh, secondly, can you maybe just give us a little more color around revenue, maybe what percentage of revenue is kind of tied to application delivery or, you know, or, or maybe the volumes versus subscription at this point? I know things are moving around a lot. Thank you. Sure. You know, let me let me start on the first on the first question, I think that you know overall the the revenue that the revenue that we have continues to grow as you saw in the quarter, and I think that uh, continues to stay in that in that same range. We've talked in the past about about half of our revenue is committed. That that remains the same 
half of it is usage. Um, when you look at the bookings and customer interest in the second half of the year versus last year, we're really happy and excited, and I talked about this in the opening remarks, about the strength that we saw in the security side of the business that continues to build on itself, the pipeline continues to build. We're also starting to see a lot of interest in the compute capabilities that the business brings to the table. And we, you know, I've been personally talking to customers where the security of our compute, the scale of our compute, the performance of our compute, those three factors are really, really important in purchasing decisions. There are a lot of cross-sell opportunities that we're bringing as we start bringing these multiple products to the table. And given that we're the cloud on-ramp to the three major clouds, and we sell a full suite of transport, security, computed edge products, and other services, we um, continue to see that grow. So really confident, optimistic um, in terms of how we saw that. Adriel, I'll turn it to you in terms of uh, percentage of revenue. So I'll add yeah, a comment there. Sure. Thanks, Joshua. Um, so, Tim, I think um, you know, if you're purely thinking signal sciences, because we do have security revenue outside of that, but if you're just thinking signal sciences, it was, it was less than 10% in Q4, primarily just from the standpoint, if you take sort of the top-level number, uh, the amount of deferred that we were going into it and what would actually got recognized uh, minus that $2 million. So it's sub-10% today. Um, it's, it's clearly growing quickly. And, again, we're, it's, we're selling together uh, with signal sciences, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult as we continue to sort of march through 2021 to separate the two, but at least it gives you a good sense of sort of where we're starting from. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Rishi Jaluria with DA Davidson. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you so much for taking my questions, and, and nice to see uh, continued uh, strong results. Um, wanted to first ask about um, the, the net retention in, in, in the quarter. If we look, uh, you know, at NRR, even if we're on a 12, trailing 12 month basis, you know, it, it did decline uh, uh, sequentially from Q3. Uh, what wonder if you could just give us a little bit more color on, on you know, how we're what, what, what's going on in that metric. Um, you know, is that driven just by by fewer expansions than than, than maybe we've historically seen? about the large customer that we've talked about on on the call? Uh, disproportionately responsible for that. Any color would be helpful, and then I've got a follow-up. Sure, Angel, you want to uh, take a first crack at that? Certainly. Uh, hey, Rishi, so uh, recall that the NRR um, takes the, the, the ending month, uh, and in particular, last year, um, sort of our denominator that impacts that uh, number for Q4, uh, we did have a, a decent-sized um, uh, live event that uh, was nice and was good for the, for the ending quarter of Q4 2019, but it did impact that uh, particular month. So that's why you sort of see the kind of wasn't it wasn't necessarily related uh, directly to sort of our previous scholars' largest customer. However, uh, two points I'd like to make in addition to that: if you look at the the LTM NR version, which we also published, which is 136.5%, that still showed good strength over 2020 over 2019. But as we move to, you know, further into uh, 2021, you know there will be you know some instances if we have, uh, especially as we move into Q2, Q2 was a particularly uh, strong growth, you know, particularly related to COVID. So you may see some impacts uh, in that quarter in NRR and Debner. Uh, but I'm trying to sort of give you some sense of um, some of the impacts that you may see. But at least for Q4, there was nothing there that um, I saw as, as sort of negative. I saw it much more optimistically, especially when you consider the LTM version of that. 
Got it. That, that's helpful. Uh, and then, Joshua, you, you highlighted both on the prepared remarks and in the shareholder letter uh, some of the strength that you saw in gaming. Uh, you know, I believe historically this hasn't been a huge vertical for you, but, but clearly seem to be getting a lot of real traction there. Um, how are you thinking about the, the gaming opportunity, you know, long term, and, and maybe what's changed that it's made it a more attractive and, and, and presumably less commoditized uh, opportunity than, you know, maybe it historically has been? Thanks. Yeah, Rishi, great question. I think, and you know this market, it, it has two sides to it, right, as, as, as the media market does, which is there is a commodity side, and as you know, Fastly spends our time, energy, certainly on the value side. I think what's changed um, is uh, two things. The first is uh, gaming companies are realizing that the performance uh, and, and particularly the low latency aspect of performance just is more and more important than it ever was. And so there's an element there where as you are trying to drive latency out, reliability up, um, you start looking around the market. And as you know, there are you know, not a lot of options um, to do that at, um, you know, at scale and at the global scale. So that, that's one element. I think the other element that's really interesting is the opportunities for compute in this market, where traditionally we have seen this market uh, do a lot at the server side. And in a lot of markets, this one included, people now are seeing this incredible opportunity to bring logic and compute to the edge. And that's sparking a real transformation, an imaginatory process where people are like, what if? And what if, you know, I mentioned it, but I, you know, I saw a multiplayer version of Doom uh, all running on compute at the edge. And when you, when you look at those types of use cases, it really transforms how gaming can work in the future. And gaming companies, as you know, are always reaching for the future. I mean, they often are the trailblazers in this area. So I think there's a trailblazing element, which has um, grabbed attention through compute, and there's also um, this need for low latency and high performance, which just continues to amp up. Those are, those are two reasons that, that we're certainly seeing and I'm seeing in the discussions I'm having. It's exciting. All right. Wonderful. That's really helpful. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Jeff Van Ree with Craig Hallam. Your line is open. Great, thanks. A um, couple quick questions. First, uh, I guess, uh, Adriel, as it relates to 21, um, if I look at the, the non-GAAP operating loss, it looks like there's about maybe, I don't know, 20 million or so more spend in there relative to where the street was. Just curious if you could break that down um, by line item, where you think that's going to fall. What, what exactly are you spending more on? Just a little color there would be helpful. And then uh, congrats on the hire. Um, obviously, Brett joining the team brings a lot of skills. Just curious, any previews in terms of initial areas of focus out of the gate, things that might change here? Sure, Adriel, why don't you go? I take the spending one, and I'll go take the uh, Brett question after. Sounds good. Um, yes, uh, primarily the, the driver for uh, this one, if you look at our Q4 non-GAAP operating um, burn, it basically gives you a bit of a preview uh, with our expanded acquisition um, uh, and the expense that brought on with the Sigma Science team. It's really sort of an, uh, an acceleration of investment into that that's really driving um, where we are in 2021. And another way to sort of put this in perspective as well is a non-GAAP operating loss in 2019 was about minus 17%. If you look at the year of 2020, it was minus uh, sort of nearly 6%, about 5.8%. So there's a little bit of, we kind of got a little uh, further ahead and sort of showed your preview on scale what this uh, business can look like, but we still want to invest and we're still on a path to eventually get to profitability. And I think 2021 is still within that path. 
Um, but in terms of sort of how it breaks down, I don't know that the, the category is going to look all that different than they were historically. Uh, we want to uh, spend certainly more into brand and, and, and marketing to go after uh, the security uh, tandem that we're going after, as well as computer edge. So we've got some spending in there. Um, you know, the R&D effort that the engineers have got on some signal sciences is certainly an additional investment we want to put in and push into. And I think, you know, GNA is an area where we do want to get some leverage. It's going to take us a little bit longer um, in 2020. We want to make some investments there so that we can continue to scale that area. Um, but right now, I'm comfortable with just our ultimate path. And again, Q4 is a good sort of um, a preview for the launching path for 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on, and on Brett, I mean, I'm thrilled. Uh, about that announcement. Uh, as you know, this has been a, a, a process for us to really get the right person. And in terms of focus areas, you know, I, I, we, we see just a tremendous opportunity on this security-led uh, story arc here. You know, I've started to talk to customers who are not only using us for their web and API security, but, you know, certain of their IT applications and IT workloads. I think that's a really interesting area of expansion for us. If you think about us being the on-ramp to the three major clouds, and a full suite of transport security compute features, um, there's still a lot to do in terms of getting out there and having that message be heard. So a, re- a really strong focus on landing new customers, uh, a, you know, a continued focus on uh, ensuring that the customer experience that we have, and you know, that's highlighted by 99% revenue retention rate, which is, which is tremendous, um, that we keep that as we grow. So um, as Adriel said, we're going to continue to invest here we are just over the moon with the Signal Sciences team uh, and feel so thrilled that they're here. There's still work to do in terms of integrating them, um, but I'm really excited about the security-led side. And then when we look at the compute side of our business, that really allows us to democratize some of, um, some of our work. So where can we uh, attract more developers uh, at scale? And that, I think those are two areas that he's definitely going to be focused on. Great. Very helpful. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Brad Zelnick with Credit Suisse. Your line is open. Great. Thanks. This is Ray McDonough on for Brad. Um, maybe maybe one for Joshua to start. Uh, in the shareholder letter, you briefly mentioned that you've developed methods to leverage the platform uh, to deliver streaming traffic in a more scalable and, and profitable way. Can you provide some color on, on what those methods entail how that might impact, if at all, the type of traffic you're willing to take on, and if that changes the way you think about the price points at which you're willing to take on on various types of traffic. Yeah, Ray, it's a, it's a great question. I'm really proud of the work that we're doing there. So we talked about a few components of that. You know, Precision Path is one of them. So we have, since the start of Fastly, been asking ourselves the question, how can we deploy the most efficiently? How can we get the most value out of our network, out of the uh, the bandwidth that we have, and how can we bring these sort of self-healing capabilities into our network so that we can do this efficiently? If you look at the number of pops, the number of servers, the number of people we have, efficiency and optimization has always been front and center. So, you know, I think the, the answer is we are looking to continue to spend our time and our energy focusing on the high value side of this market. Um, when you bring value, and that's demonstrated by 
the gross margin leverage that, I, that we demonstrated in Q4 with the growth, there's a lot of high-value business out there. And, you know, as I talked about earlier in the gaming sector, more and more, people are realizing that performance really matters. Um, and this is a, a process that uh, is going to take, you know, it's going to continue to take hold, but we're really seeing that 2020 was a year where that became really, really in focus. So I would say, you know, examples of that would be Precision Path. We talked about our support of Quick. All of this is about better, faster, more reliable. And then we're constantly looking at efficiency. I mean, you know, from, from the first days that the business started, how can we get the most out of our hardware? So I don't think it changes um, our focus. It doesn't change the types of customers we're, we go after. It really doesn't focus on sort of opening up the bottom end of this market or the low value side of this market. We're going to continue focused exactly where we are. And, you know, as Adriel said, we'll continue to show gross margin leverage towards our, you know, midterm model of 70% gross margin. And, and, and we're making, you know, traction in that regard. That's helpful. And if I could, maybe a follow-up for, for Adriel. And, and just to build on, on Robert's question around guidance and what's included from a signal sciences perspective, um, you know, is it, is it fair to grow what, what seems like a 6 million contribution this quarter uh, to something where, where we get to something like a 30 or 40 million inorganic contribution from signal sciences in, in 21? And maybe you can kind of comment on that gross margin impact. Should we expect incremental expansion um, on, on the core Fastly business as we think about 2021 and, and layering in signal sciences? Yeah, I would think about it um, just given that it's this early in the year. And as you recall, last year when I gave guidance um, for 2020, clearly uh, you know I had any idea of what was sort of coming up for all of us. That kind of guided uh, at, a, at a sort of a, a 30, 30th percent uh, annual range um, uh, for growth. And I think I'm trying to take a similar tack this year for the overall business, and that's actually including signal sciences. So they were growing clearly uh, quite fast when the acquisition was first announced. And I think for now, just given that it's early, and we are trying uh, to really emphasize the cross-sell possibilities here, um, I would sort of stick, at least for now, at a high level, just kind of incorporating them together with us. And then as we get a little bit further into the year, we can give you a little bit more perspective in terms of what we're seeing. Um, this last quarter was um, was great in terms of just the initial indications about our ability to, to sell together with Signal Sciences. Uh, but we're now sort of, you know, one team. And I think at least for, for, the, for, for guidance sake, I'd sort of just keep to where we are today. Okay, great. And and any thoughts on just you know, core core fastly margins and expansion there? Yeah, I think from a from a sort of core uh, margin standpoint, there's certainly um, uh, as Jasper just pointed out, there's there's reasons for optimism. I'm at this point when I think about it from an overall gross margin standpoint in 2021, um, I still feel good about any adding somewhere 100 bits and more. Um, but I again, I want to sort of see the mix for us. What really matters. What's the mix both in uh, the type of traffic we have and now that we have signal sciences, which will be uh, incremental to that and additive to that. I want to see how the mix of them uh, growing with us um, can possibly accelerate that, but we get a look, look at a little bit more time as we get further into the year. Makes sense. Thanks for the color. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ray. Your next question comes from the line of Will Power with Baird. Your line is open. Hey, this is Charlie Ehrlich on for Will. Thanks for taking the question. Um, I was hoping to ask you a question about guidance and maybe just what's contemplated in the revenue guide in terms of you know, the macro environment and COVID-19 in terms of, you know, opening up and potentially, you know, starting to work from, from the office and whatnot. 
I think you can maybe talk about some of the assumptions you're making in the 2021 guidance, um, you know, in terms of those factors. Sure, Adriel, why don't you uh, start? Sure. So, um, I mean, I, I, I kind of based on an answer previously that I gave, um, I think we're being uh, conservative just in terms of what we, how much visibility we can see at this point. Um, certainly, we've got a bit more visibility into Q1 in terms of what we see so far. Um, in terms of sort of the macro perspective, I think we do see, uh, we, we've certainly taken uh, note of what um, you know, folks such as uh, some other legacy uh, feed-in providers have noted about uh, their assumptions in the world. Um, I think the vaccines are rolling out. So I think we hope for, uh, personally, I hope for sort of a more normalized year. And I think for now, we're not assuming anything um, faster than that at this point. Um, so I think that's why you kind of see the guidance numbers uh, are what they are. And again, as we get a little further into the year, we'll have a little bit more sense of kind of what world are we uh, going into and how much um, uh, and how much of a faster or slower growth rate uh, than what we originally thought. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And is there any way to maybe think about potential contribution from compute at edge in 2021 revenue? Um, or is it just you know, mainly ramping in 2021 and seeing more meaningful impact in 22? How, how should we think about the contribution from that? Yeah, my perspective on that is that um, we were always, from my perspective, um, always thinking about this was a year to learn. Uh, in 2021, we've certainly gotten some early learning so far for some early customers. So um, it, it, it could be some um, meaningful contribution, but if it would be, it would be in the latter half of the year. And again, I think um, I'm thinking about 2021 as much more just learning what are the use cases, what are the verticals uh, that we can use to learn as we lean into 2022 and beyond. Makes sense. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Charlie. Your next question comes from the line of James Fish with Piper Sandler. Your line is open. Hey guys, um, so it's our understanding there are a few larger uh, media renewals up in, in Q4 and, and actually for the first half of the year. You know, how have you and are you approaching those renewals and, and specifically what are you guys seeing around um, pricing given a lot of noise out there? Yeah, it's Joshua here. I think that, you know, we have um, renewals all the way through the year, including in Q4. Um, what you see in Q4 um, obviously, with the increase in gross margin and the increase in usage is, um, is we uh, you know, feel confident about what we saw in the past. I think when we look forward, as we've talked about, our innovations continue to drive value. Um, there is a commoditized delivery business in the market. We have um, stayed away from that. I think that's proven to be a, uh, a prudent choice. And we continue to look for customers who care deeply about the performance of their content, who care about the security of their content, and want it to be reliable. So we, we've always taken a balanced approach here. I don't think um, that that's going to change going forward. We simply don't do deals that, that, uh, you know, that we think are, are bad for the business and premium content we think demands that performance and reliability. So nothing uh, in uh, the future that would be unusual in that regard, and we continue to remain optimistic. Got it. Understood. Um, and then, obviously, um, Brett comes from a, a good background at, at Rubric. Um, I guess what what made you guys pick Brett? Is it more his background on, on sort of the storage and security side as you start to think about edge compute and edge services, or is it more like the enterprise experience or something else? Yeah, it's really a combination of all of that plus. I mean, if you think about the VMware 
um, experience, if you think about the security experience and the rubric experience, what you get is you get that enterprise, you understand security infrastructure, you understand compute, um, you've seen fast charging growth startups, um, you've seen around the corner to billions of revenue. All of that was really valuable to us. So I think we um, understand as we grow that we need to continue to invest and optimize. That's certainly going to be a theme for, for 2021. And he's the, he's the right leader for that. So really, uh, it's a combination of all of those plus. Very excited about it. Thanks, Joshua. Thank you. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Walter Pritchard with City. Your line is open. Hi, thanks. Um, just want to make sure we're, we're totally clear here on this uh, signal sciences contribution. So um, you had modeled 8 million coming off the balance sheet, and it ended up being um, 6 because of the write-down rate. As you go into Q1, is it fair to say that you have that sort of 6 rolling off as well at that rate? And then I think that probably doesn't include kind of new business that you're signing that either Signal Sciences is doing on their own or you're doing on a bundled basis. I'm just trying to get a sense as to the balance sheet piece and then the new business that would that would roll into Q1 and then as as we proceed throughout the year. Uh, hey Walter, sure. hey, yeah, you got that you got that methodology correct. Um, you know, as uh, anything you know built post um, October 1st since the acquisition. Uh, has no uh, purchase price account adjustments, and you get you know, clearly full revenue credit uh, moving forward. So from our standpoint, it really now is um, you know how successful are we together uh, in, in sort of bringing those new bookings um, together. Um, so that's that's a, that's a good methodology, at least a good way to think about it. And so then, as we think about Q4, the contribution to revenue, I mean the six plus there was another piece there, and then Q1. Is there any way you could? help us understand kind of what that total picture is, because I think that's really the piece that people are going to try to get to understand the underlying growth rate of the, of the you know, Fastly pre-signal uh, pre sciences. Yeah, and I think that's the part where it begins to meld in with um, some of the, the, the combination selling that we do together. So uh, I've, I've tried to give you just sort of a ballpark general, and your methodology is probably ballpark correct. Uh, and I think as we move into Q1 and in Q2 of this year, those are going to begin to blend together. And so it's not going to be distinctively signal sciences or distinctively fast. They're going to be sold together. You know, many of our customers buy uh, delivery and uh, security. They want to sort of secure it um, uh, with, with, for example, a WAF. And so they'll buy sort of one blended rate. Um, so from our standpoint, we're, we're beginning. I want to give you sort of a starting point, at least a direction to go. Um, but at least as we begin to move forward, we're not we're not that close out at this time. And then just on headcount, I think somebody had asked earlier on the on the spending. Any, any sense as to where headcount may end the year? Just so we can sort of understand kind of that picture in, in totality. Understanding there's a signal sciences piece layering in, and then your organic uh, growth as well. Yeah, we we added about. Um, you know, in Q4, we added about 150 folks um, from the signal sciences team. Um, I'd say, given where we ended the year at about uh, 939, um, you know, we're going to certainly, um, you know, add a number of folks. Uh, I don't think we're going to add them at the, the sort of the, the, the same clip as we did in Q4. Clearly, that was a nice bump, and we're probably going to ameliorate that. Um, but given that the the leverage uh, uh, or sort of the, the operating burn uh, that we just experienced in Q4 is more indicative for the year. We'll probably grow the rates more similarly. Uh, although the idea is that at, by the end of 2021, 20, 
Uh, we're going to sort of reassess where we are at that point, how fast we're growing, what are we getting for those for that investment in headcount, and if we uh, you know if we continue to see uh, great returns on them, then we'll we'll sort of reconsider where we are at that point. But at least hopefully that gives you some sense of kind of how we're thinking about the year. Great, thanks. It does. Okay, thank you. Walter. Thanks, Walter. Your next question comes from the line of Tal Liani with Bank of America. Your line is open. Hi, guys. Um, I, I wanted to ask about the core growth that a lot of people already asked, and I'm, I'm trying to understand the if you can quantify the impact of COVID. And I don't know I don't know if it's possible at all, but I look at your revenues last year. 4Q was, I'm, I'm generalizing, 4Q was 60, 1Q was 63, and then it jumps to 75 and, and 71, and there was also uh, TikTok in, in the mix. And I'm trying to understand if you saw an increase in, uh, post-COVID, post-work from home, um, uh, which would be natural for your kind of business, and if that's the case, wouldn't the growth rates decline? Uh, this year just because of the tougher comps. Um, so I don't know if you can quantify for us a little bit of the TikTok contribution kind of throughout the year or something or, or talk about it just qualitatively. Thanks. Yeah, Tal, it's a great question. Obviously, it's hard to, um, you know, look in the crystal ball for next year. I think what we've seen is a few phenomena. The first is that every industry is different, but we're seeing more people use the Internet, and you've seen that, uh, and we've seen it, and, and behavior and habits have changed. So I think the, the first element of this is we believe that there are sustainable changes that have happened to the digital transformers. They will maintain additional market share and continue to grow. And is there a new normal? You know, we don't know. We're trying to be conservative in how we look at it, but we certainly look at the future optimistically. We, we, we believe that those who are digitally transforming are taking an um, outside, share, outside share of market and that outsized share continues to grow. So that's one element. I think the other element that's important here, and you know, we've been talking about it, is just the role that security plays here. As we continue to innovate, bring fast and reliable digital experiences to all people around the world, what we're seeing is additional threats, right? So naturally these threats and security needs follow the traffic. And what we are seeing is that it takes a totally different tool to fight uh, against these attackers. Attackers are developers too. They're not bogged down with the limits of legacy solutions. They're nimble. They're using modern tools, modern workflows. They're digitally transforming too. And so there's two elements here which are driving um, you know, our optimistic view of the future. The first is this digital transformation and additional market share. The other element of this that's important is around, um, is around security and what we're seeing there. So we as Adriel said, we're guiding conservatively, um, and we think that that's prudent. Uh, and we're seeing these tailwinds that we're really enthusiastic about. So I don't know if that totally answers your question, but that's how we're looking at it right now. And can I have a follow-up? Um, last quarter, there were questions about it throughout the quarter, and maybe you can speak about – and again, I, I don't know how much you can share with us, but the, the more you share, the better – you can share with us kind of the role of TikTok uh, or your role in, in the network of TikTok, meaning uh, is, the, is the traffic gone completely uh, or are there types of traffic that they can remove and types of traffic that can uh, st that have to, has to stay on your network? So 
Uh, can you talk about your role um, in the uh, service of a company like TikTok and, again, uh, as specific as you can? Sure. Yeah, and, and you know, they remain an important customer. Um, they continue to rely on us for important workloads. As you know, they peaked about 10% for a short period at the start of the pandemic. But we have a large, you know, number of large customers and a handful, as I said, who may come in and out of this 10% category as, you, as we grow and as they grow. So ultimately, we have a strong relationship. We continue to be very close to them. Um, we've modeled in, uh, we've modeled in uh, what we see uh, for the year. But we have in the quarter and over the last few months continued to diversify uh, and get more large enterprise customers. Um, there may be more 10% customers in the future, um, but you know our model is really built on a handful of these and, and continued growth. So I think you know as an enterprise business, that is that is part of uh, that's part of our growth. Got it. I'll take it offline because I'm trying to understand what kind of when they go down, what kind of services they have to keep on your network because you provide something unique they cannot find anywhere else, and what kind of traffic they can remove out of your network because it's more the commodity part. So we can take it off, off uh, offline to discuss it. Thanks, Tal. Appreciate it. There are no further questions at this time. Mr. Bixby, I turn the call back over to you for closing remarks. Before we sign off, I want to thank our employees, customers, partners, and investors. I'm extremely proud of all that our team has accomplished in a year filled with such uniquely challenging circumstances and unexpected road bumps. And we're humbled to be both a witness and enabler for how we've supported our customers, many of them thriving even under incredibly difficult circumstances. I look forward to seeing what lies ahead for all of us this year and I hope to connect with many of you at the upcoming Morgan Stanley TMT conference. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.